You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 197, Horse the Band, hosted by Dan Terry. Because I did, a, I did a full restart, none of that like resume from where I was at thing. Because here's the thing, if you have errors and you resume from where you're at, the errors still remain. And Joseph Wren, the jealousy in your eyes right now cannot be described. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think the clash at Demon Head is Dan versus the Cyber Demon, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. It's not quite Industrial December, but to get us in the mood, we're talking about Horse the Band. Close enough for me to be like, yeah, that's that's basically like industrial, right? I don't know if Nintendo Core counts as industrial, but... It is definitely driven by an overuse of electronics. I mean, overuse of a uh, microcorg, uh, from from what I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah, yeah. It's 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 different, man. I don't really, I don't really know how to describe Horse the Band. I mean, I guess Nintendo Core counts. Uh, but this band has just always been kind of an oddity to me. And honestly, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to talk about them on the show, but I don't know. They, they've grown on me quite a bit over the years. And so I've always just been like, let's just take it for what it is. It's a band that obviously likes to have fun, doesn't take themselves too seriously. And um, you could party to it. Horse the Band is definitely a fun band to listen to. I think in the late 2010s, we started to get more novelty bands. It all kind of started, at least in the modern era, with Death Clock. Now you have the Oakley Dokleys, which maybe they take themselves so seriously that they are, in fact, worshipping the ground that Ned Flanders walks on. But then you have Horse the Band that, to me, sounds like... Big Brother was in the basement trying to hang out with his buds and come up with some sort of serious rock or serious grind-type music, and Little Brother was sitting in the corner playing The Legend of Zelda. And for some reason, it all went together, and I like what they came up with. This is in the same vein as a They Might Be Giants. To most people, it sounds like a novelty, but if you just sit and listen to it, it's fun. And you like listening to it. And if you find out the band's coming to town, you're going to go see them play live. Oh, for sure. Definitely. And they're probably all going to be drunk. So drunk. <laughs> so incredibly drunk. And yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I can I can get behind seeing, seeing a band like this. And uh, I've just, you know, it's funny because when we were in our band, End of Destiny, one of the things that music reviewers used to complain about on our CD was the overuse of keyboards. I can only imagine what those same reviewers must have said about Horse the Band, as this is a band where the keyboards are the melody. The guitar playing, it can be melodic at times, but usually it's not. Usually usually the keyboard is carrying all of the melody of the band, which is uh, which is very, very, very strange. You, they, they are made up of a bunch of elements that don't seem like they fit together, and they definitely don't fit together smoothly. But for whatever reason, it can still be an enjoyable experience. Well, before Dan recounts all of his enjoyable experiences, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, 
twitch.tv forward slash discuss metal dan for all your video game and live streaming episodes so if you have an amazon echo or a google home you have no excuse ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast and it will we're also on facebook and on twitter at discuss metal be sure to like favorite and subscribe it really helps us out it lets us know you're listening and now dan is going to tell us all about five star reviews we do love five star reviews here on discography discussion if your podcast app allows you to leave us a review of any type please do so and we'll read it on the show if they let you you know actually write anything i know a lot of them it's just uh give it a start rating and then we move on which those are welcome and encouraged as well they always make me feel really good or make me feel really bad depending on what your review actually was <laughs> and uh you know but one of the things that i really enjoy you guys have been doing is been sharing the episodes on all of your various social media platforms and uh so i appreciate that like 100 thank you guys so much for helping build this podcast to where it is now uh, we couldn't have done that on our own. All we do is talk. You guys are, are you guys are out there doing the hard work, so I, I appreciate it. Last week, we released our Zeo Revisited episode. Dan, once again, got the opportunity to give you, the listener, his symposium on Zeo, and we streamed it live a couple weeks ago, actually, and I am amazed at how well that has been received. I'm starting to think maybe live streaming the recordings is something we should do more often. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed doing it, but uh, it really doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't even matter what Joe thinks. It matters what you guys think. Um, do you guys want us to stream the episodes live uh, so that if you're one of the lucky enough people, you get to see the show completely unfiltered, completely unedited, and, uh, you know, you get all the raw stuff and then it'll be fun when you go back and listen to the audio version and be like, oh, yeah, they took that out. Or they could be like, yeah, I could definitely see why they took that out. <laughs> um, you know, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes we live we live our lives unfiltered. We say our unfiltered things. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're keen on it, we'll always let you know ahead of time when we're going to do a stream like that. And uh, we hope to see you guys on there. Uh, we will try our very best to respond to your comments in real time just keeping in mind that we are recording the podcast to ultimately be released in an audio format so i don't want to throw too much stuff in there it doesn't make sense but i also want you guys you know to know that i know that you're there and speaking of comments over on our youtube channel we got a comment on episode 54 vengeance rising with steven sorrow who we just talked about in our tantrum of the muse versus training for utopia episode you guys should go check that out right now the Hispanic says this one takes me back. They were like superheroes to me at the time. I was a newly converted metal kid to this day. One of my hobbies is collecting Christian rock and metal music. I remember one time at church youth group, one of the girls gave me money not to play vengeance rising on the boom box. Oh shit. <laughs> she said the voice scared her. Please tell me you played it anyway. Uh, during October, 1990, I saw them in Fredericksburg VA at a place called street cry. The sound guy did a horrible job. Well, everybody can't beat Joe. And I could barely hear Roger Martinez vocals. At the time, it didn't matter because I was up front seeing my righteous metal heroes up close and personal. I still have those tapes, Human Sacrifice and Once Dead, still in my collection. I played them so much back then. It's amazing they're still intact. Recently, I got the Rocks Records vinyl release. That's super cool. You know, I did see those and thought about getting them, but... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, money is uh, is a cruel mistress, especially around Christmas time. The jealousy so, uh, in your eyes right now cannot be described. Oh, I'd love it, man. I still have uh, I've still got my human sacrifice in once dead tapes. 
Um, I actually, when we were at Rock and Pod Two a couple years ago, uh, I snagged a copy of the uh, of the Human Sacrifice tape, uh, and it's just the one that just says Vengeance on it. it. There was no Rising yet. It was before they had to change their name. I've been looking for a good cassette deck. I realized very recently that, much like Dan, I have a nice stack of cassette tapes that I enjoy listening to. And I have no really good way to play them other than plugging in an old Walkman I found. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and they, they still sound good uh, on my cassette deck. I got one on eBay, snagged a good one for a pretty good price. And uh, when I'm playing them through my amplifier sound system, they sound just as good as they did in the 80s. So, uh, and I could be wrong about that, but I'm just going to tell myself that that's how good they sound. I guess with the tape, though, it just matters how many times it's been played. Depends on how good it sounds, right? Depends how many times it's been played. Depends on how good the player is, how good the amp is. You know, cassette tapes were an analog medium. And at one point, they had superior quality. I think just like CDs, the mass marketing of the medium kind of degraded the overall quality. But I remember when cassette tapes did not feel like the cheap Maxwell tapes that you'd buy when you wanted to make a mixtape for your friends. Yeah, Same no goes for CDs, too. Some of my oldest CDs are still seemingly indestructible versus some of the CDs I bought later that are already starting to degrade. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the 80s. So, Dan, tell me about Horse the Band. Horse the Band. They are an American metalcore band. At least that's what people say. I don't really think it's metalcore. Uh, more hardcore to me. And even then, it's, it's kind of sketchy. Um, they are best known for their 8-bit video game influence sound, which a lot of people like to refer to as Nintendo Core, uh, which the uh, vocalist, I guess, jokingly described their sound as that at one point. And... Um, They've definitely, like, in recent years, been like, no, it was a joke. We just said it because we thought it was funny. We don't really think we're a Nintendo core. So, I mean, I'm going to give the band the benefit of the doubt, but uh, I definitely hear some Nintendo-influenced sounds coming from this band, uh, especially on a record where they just straight up play the Legend of Zelda dungeon theme uh, <laughs> behind a song. So, I mean, you know, you can say you can say it however you want to say it, but uh, that, that influence is there. You know, you can't write a song about Birdo or have a song called The House of Boo and me not immediately be thinking of my 8-bit and 16-bit days. 2001, Secret Rhythm of the Universe. Am I allowed to just start off the conversation about this record and be all like, if you like Horse the Band, uh, this record is not very good. Uh, this is their first... This is their first record. It's respectable for coming out this early. I think I think by the time Horse the Band really started getting popular, uh, at least to where I would have heard them, um, would have been like in 2004, 2005. I think I heard them first when uh, The Mechanical Hand came out in 2005. So to know that they date back to 2001 is kind of interesting, considering how much music kind of changed and what kind of music became more mainstream acceptable uh at the time but i just do not like this record uh <laughs> and a lot of people refer to it as a demo and it absolutely sounds like a demo um there were there were tons of local bands in my high school that put out demos that sounded just like this 
Um, different vocalist on this record, and I do not like him really very much at all. He sounds like a uh, like like kind of your standard early two thousands pop punk vocalist uh, with a little bit of screaming in there. Um, the keyboards that they would be known for are there, but they are really not a central instrument. I don't think that they completely figured out what they wanted to do. Uh, the guitar tone is horrifically bad. It's recorded badly. And uh, it's not that big of a deal because you're probably not going to ever stumble on this record in the wild. Uh, you can't stream it on streaming services. Uh, some people who are doing God's work uploaded it onto YouTube for me to listen to for this episode. But as far as I knew, the first horse, the band record was our Borlax. But uh, evidently uh, there, this one existed and some other demos did. People get really mad when I don't mention the demos and EPs. But there were some uh, there were some some demos recorded. I don't know what they're called. I did not listen to them. Um, and if they sounded anything like this, I'm glad that I didn't because I just, I found this to be a slog. It was funny in places, but overall, um, I think you can, you can happily skip. You, you can happily skip most of this, most of this record. I think it's worth hearing as a footnote for like, Oh, this is where the band started. And you can hear a little bit of what they become on this. Uh, kind of, kind of more faster rhythms, some, some more chaotic moments, a little tiny bit of screaming, some keyboards. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when you listen to our Borlax, it's like a completely different band, a uh, different vocalist and, um, a different, a, a different focus. I think, I think they were still mostly punk here with some hardcore, but for the most part, this is just a band trying to figure out what they want to sound like. Every band has a starting point. Some of them are genre-defining, or at least band-defining. This just sounds like a demo put together the best they could. I'm sure it was handed out at shows and probably sold for $5 after the show. It is what it is. It definitely doesn't have the same feel or the same sound that the band would be known for, but you can see where the beginnings are. You can overall appreciate it as a raw punk record. But it's not much more than that. When you're talking about Horse the Band, you're talking about our Borlax 2003. Now, this is what I'm talking about. This is Horse the Band has arrived. Um, these guys are completely off the chain on this record. I mean, they started off with a song called Seven Tentacles and Eight Flames. And what you get is these piercing keyboards <laughs> that, that just cut through the song. But now the band's playing breakdowns. They're playing heavy riffs. They've got a guy vocalizing over this. And his name's Nathan, in case you wanted to know. I'm going to refer to him only as Nathan and not that guy for the rest of the time. <laughs> but I, I, use the, I use the terminology that guy because this is not a singer that you would think would ever make it in a band in, in the traditional sense. In that he doesn't really sing... He screams, but he's not like a he's not like a hardcore screamer. You know, he's not like a Corey Brandon up there, just like you know, busting it out. Um, he just—it's unpredictable. And the only way that I can really explain it is that like it's a mixture of like talking, yelling, screaming, whispering, just like shrieks. And when I say shrieks, I'm not talking like metal stylized vocal shrieks. I'm talking like it sounds like somebody stabbed him over and over and over again while singing these songs. So the only way I can describe Nathan's vocals is this dude just does whatever he can <laughs> on every song. And this is going to be a very, very common theme. 
you cannot predict what this guy is going to do from one second to the other. And yes, I mean at one second to the other. Um, and then you mix it. So you've got like, you've got a band playing breakdowns and this dude's doing whatever he can over them while you've got a keyboardist in there that is like playing these like atmospheric, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, like eight bit sounding <laughs> synth lines. And it doesn't sound like it all goes together. And I don't really think that it does, but it's awesome. Have you ever seen a group of guys get on stage and make fun of the 80s? I mean, they dress with the big hair wigs. They've got the tight pants on. Maybe somebody is dressed like someone who made their own kiss costume. And everybody's playing this groove type pop rock and then you have keyboards for no reason other than you can have keyboards in the 80s, right? There is an entirely different sound when the keyboard is in the mix. It's in the front of the mix. There's no reverb. There's no real modulation. It reminds me of listening to Showbread, the way everything is kind of dry and up front. That's kind of the sound of Horse the Band, except it's not funny. It's entertaining. I enjoy listening to it. But it's not really done for laughs. And maybe you can make an argument later on when they start blatantly referencing Nintendo games that there was some humor there. But at the same time, if you go to see Horse the Band play live, this sounds like energy to me. It sounds like a band that increases the tempo of the audience by 20 or 30 beats per minute every single time they get on stage. Yeah, and it's weird too because like... You're mentioning how there's bands that like try to call back to the 80s or make fun of the 80s. These guys basically just looked like early 2000s dudes just walking down the street. And then they get up there and they're just like playing these majestic sounds. And these guys, when you see them live, first of all, I don't think I've ever seen them live while any of them were sober. So they just would just go on stage and just go off and like you know nathan would not kind of mumble into the mic between songs but i could never really understand exactly what he was saying um or in the songs for that matter um it was just like there was a couple of times because i've seen this band a couple of times live and and i'm always like i'm not sure what i just saw but the keyboards were cool you know like it's <laughs> kind of one of those and yeah it's very odd uh but listening to our borlax and it's funny because i hadn't really heard this record much before we did this episode so i was actually really surprised at how good it sounded because i had started off with just the mechanical hand was kind of my reference point and i didn't think that this record was going to sound like uh the mechanical hand at all um but it actually does and the more i listen to it the more i actually kind of enjoy it more than uh the mechanical hand i'm almost like it's produced better or something it just sounds better um, and I'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about that record. But like, this was this was super cool, um, and I really enjoyed the use of sound clips. Um, I enjoyed, uh, you know, them talking. Obviously, I love the power glove. It's so bad, you know, like all of the, all of the stuff that you would expect from a band that was quote unquote Nintendo core, uh, <laughs> you know. And uh, th- this is this was this was such a such a cool debut it's also the shortest horse the band record which i actually really like because as we go on the records get a little bit uh a little bit too long for my tastes are you ready for the mechanical hand i don't think anybody was ready for the mechanical hand 2005 
I don't know about you, but when I think of Horse the Band, this is the record that comes to mind. These are the riffs that I want to hear when the band plays live. These are the songs that I get the most hyped for. It's also 10 times faster, more intense, and more spastic than the previous release. Our Borlax was mellow compared to the Mechanical Hand, and I don't know why that is. But I have to think it was the band getting in the studio and intentionally trying to play faster than they were capable of doing, and they just kept doing it until it worked. There is no reason to smack the keyboard the way this record sounds, with the keyboard being slapped and drums and guitars just going full blazing fast, and then just dropping off with breakdowns. (laughs) You know... When you start a record off with uh, a sound clip from the Rankin-Bass Hobbit movie of, you know, uh, Gollum going, ah, eggs. Dan's um, in at that point. <laughs> you, know you're in for, you know you're in for a good time. And this is where they start doing the really fun stuff. Like in the song Birdo, how you just, it just starts off like very, very fast, very intense. Everything the band's capable of in 30, in 30 seconds. And then like they starts playing this, he starts playing this uh, like slow, kind of moody keyboard piece, and he's just like my seven-year-old smile, punishing. And it's like I don't, I don't know what he's doing. And then you get, you get further into the song towards the end, and they're just screaming exactly what you'd think that you would have to scream when you're singing about Birdo, which, which is you know, throw it back. Don't you know you're supposed to throw it back? Throw it back throw it back and i'm in like i'm 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 totally into the experience even whenever they stop everything and he just goes bird and then they just go nuts and it just it's it's too much fun and if you talk to my kids i am anti-fun so i enjoy it on a very uh surface level but to me things really start heating up whenever you get into a million uh, a million exploding suns which was like their big kind of breakthrough hit. Uh, we were in a band called End of Destiny, which I mentioned already. Take a drink every time we mention our old band. Uh, we had a guy playing keyboards for us, our original keyboard player. Uh, his name was Tyler, and he was obsessed with Horse the Band. Um, he picked up he picked up his own microcore just just so that he could play like Horse the Band. And of course, since I'm anti-fun, I was like, yeah, maybe I don't really want to sound like 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 that. Um, but you know, he, he could not be deterred. He, he, he was like, I want to learn how to play a million exploding suns and I will be super, super happy with that. Um, the video for this song is legendary as, uh, Nathan apparently is dead in the video and all of the band members have to find all of the elements that makes up Nathan only to resurrect him at the end of the video. The video is decidedly low budget. It's delightfully cheesy, and I love every minute of it. Does this fit into the genre with raw rock that Showbread would very much make famous around the same time? I don't think so. And I say that only because what horse the band what what Showbread was doing was playing like like playing off of traditional rock conventions. But then just adding those like high pitched screams to it and the cheesy keyboard parts, it may sound aesthetically similar. But um, I think what Horse the Band was trying to do was to actually mix legitimately heavy unhinged music with these kind of more eight bit sounds. And 
they pull it off beautifully on this record. Um, this is the first one where I start feeling like the keyboards actually sound like they're like they're coming from a Nintendo cartridge. Um, the breakdown on a million exploding suns, like I would pay seventy dollars just to see the band show up and play that for an hour. Um, it's just it's too much. I, I like I almost can't even handle it. It's it's so much fun to listen to. Um, but the record's not over. I mean, we've only talked about the first two tracks. The Manatine might be like my favorite weird concept of a song ever, where he's just like a depressed manatee. Yeah, manatee, you know, like, you know, in the ocean. And uh, is this a walrus yeah. situation again? I mean, he is a depressed emo manatee, or he's the Manatine, right? Um, he's like, he's like, that's me in my dreams. You know, I'm my voice on the, or my, my face on the TV, my voice on the radio. That's me in my dreams. Then he's like, but when I open my eyes, I realize I'm a piece of shit, <laughs> worthless coward. It's like all self de- deprecating. And the song is like so melodic and so beautiful and so moody. And it's, it's such a weird mix of emotions for what is just a ridiculously hilarious concept. And that is just, that's horse the band. Like that, that's what you're in for for the rest of the time you're here. But I've got to make special mention of the next track, House of Boo. This is not a track by track. I will move on after this. But like the House of Boo is my favorite song on the mechanical hand. (laughs) And um, (laughs) it's just there. There's two parts of the there's two parts of the song that absolutely just hit pleasure centers in my brain. And I can't shake them. Um, like, it's just, it's almost too much. And it's supposed to be a scary song, I think. But at 30, if you if you fast forward to 34 seconds on this song, you'll hear exactly what I'm talking about. If you ever want to make me super happy, inexplicably, play, play like the next five seconds of that song. But then you absolutely have to go all the way to two minute mark. And the rest of the song is is perfection. From a band that's really not perfect, a band that's not tight, a band that plays very sloppily, but it doesn't matter because that is the aesthetic that they have laid down for us. Part of the joy I get listening to this band is the southern rock tendencies thrown in with the modern metalcore at the time, almost haste the day-like, and then mix in the electronics and spastic vocals. Even if I did not like the vocals as they are, they would fit into the mania that is this band. Put it all together, it shouldn't work. It shouldn't make sense. But it is so fun because these pieces don't go together. So we modified the puzzle and made it all fit. Yeah, I mean, it works. It works way too well. (laughs) Will it last? I'm going to go ahead and just answer the question. I was trying to be all like weird about it, but like, will it last? Yes. Will this band be able to pull it off a couple of more times? Absolutely. They will. 2007, a natural death. Oh, a natural death. I bet you didn't know that you wanted a song called sex Raptor, but you have it. Fuck. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I mean, sex Raptor is amazing enough as it is with its super like eighties tastic intro. It's so much fun. And it doesn't even really sound like what they sounded like on Mechanical Hand, that song. Plus, trust me, there's plenty of that sound uh, here, too. Um, But I mean, like, this is a band where I just love to read the track titles and try to figure out what the song is about. 
because the lyrics are most of the time pretty incomprehensible anyway from the vocals and just the way they're written i i I can't really follow the track but i mean you know let's let's absolutely write a song called kangarooster meadows because you've never combined a kangaroo and a rooster and so so here we are um i do find this record to be a little bit less focused if i can even say that about this band um it's a little bit less focused than the mechanical hand i think i feel like they could have cut probably three or four songs off of this and um had a, had a much more tight kind of kind of focused uh record but instead they just kind of just threw every single idea they had come up with since the mechanical hand onto this record and so what you get is a record that while it sounds like horse the band and there's some really 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 cool things in it like the startling secret of the super sapphire it's all cool it all fits the aesthetic but i almost feel like this one might be a little phoned in because as big and bloated as it is you end up with a record that should be amazing but is neither as good as the mechanical hand or our vorlax and i don't hate it but i don't think it's like amazing the expectation has been met but not exceeded this one feels more put together it feels like they had all the spaz out of their system and they were trying to write more coherent songs but we're horse the band we have to put some mania in it we have to break up the monotony of the song it starts off slower it starts off a little less intense but it still delivers on those hardcore rock influenced keyboard driven riffs and it doesn't let up the mix is still off center in my opinion the keyboards are far more upfront than they should be and i would say it's intentional at this point they definitely are trying to set themselves apart from what was popular at the time and releasing a simpler record that maybe it's more focused and less intense but at least the band is still moving forward with the idea that is horse the band they're still trying to push the quality of the song it's like they're trying to improve musically when they weren't doing anything wrong they just need to keep doing what they're doing it's crazy i don't know how you could improve on it unless you had two keyboards and you had to play one with each hand but that would be too much (laughs) you know at that point like i think at that point i would have turned it off but it was it's it's absolutely a serviceable album by horse the band and i could definitely see what they're going for but i don't know i don't know if i would necessarily want a band like this to become more refined or at the very least i don't have to see the awkward birthing pains of them doing so and i think that like this record is a little bit transitional for them but I also just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. I can't put my finger on it, but I do not find the songs to be as intriguing, even though they are different. You can tell they're trying to do something different, but they're also still too held back. It's like one of those like 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 shit or get off the pot type of situations where it's like, are you guys just going to be horse the band or are you going to try to do something a little bit different? And I know this was during the time that they were trying to separate themselves from the whole Nintendo core thing. Um, so I can definitely see what they're what they're going for here. But I also don't 100% know if it's the record that I necessarily wanted, which is fine. They didn't write the record for me, (laughs) so it is what it is. But I think once we get into Desperate Living, it starts kind of making a little bit more sense. 2009. 
Desperate Living is their full transition out of being a Nintendo core band. Now they're going for a more still still have the hardcore, still have the screaming because like Nathan's voice, um, I love the dude. I love what he does, but he's not ever going to like wow you with his amazing singing voice. Um, but on this record, he at least attempts to try to keep it melodic when it needs to be melodic. And there, there's much more, I guess, traditional style songwriting on this record. And I can't say I hate it because they're using the keyboards in a way on this record that they haven't really before. And you're getting you're getting like more moody, weird tracks uh, similar to like Golden Mummy Bird, you know, like that song, I think, really, really shows like how far they've come as far as trying to actually create atmosphere. Because these were guys that originally just kind of just wanted to go off, you know, and just do a lot of really crazy stuff. But here they're actually kind of pulling back the reins a little bit and they're trying to be like, we could be more than that. We can write cool songs that you're going to remember that are going to have a specific mood and theme to them instead of just being kind of this random assortment of parts and, and ideas. This one takes the attempt at refinement that you were getting on A Natural Death and takes it a step further. What would happen if Horse the Band mellowed out? Does it work? Does it tap into the hardcore tendencies or the traditional hardcore tendencies like a Me Without You would do where you'd have these insane outbursts of records and then the next one is a little bit more mellow, it's a little bit slower, but we're still putting together these punk rock intense songs. We're just not throwing everything at the wall all at once and seeing what happens. This definitely isn't the horse, the band that I signed up for <laughs> necessarily, but I think that everybody kind of has to do this at some point and get themselves to a point where they're feeling like they're creating a body of work. I think for a lot of bands that came kind of from this scene, that early 2000s, like, hey, cool, we're doing a cool thing with keyboards and, you know, we've got kind of this video game theme going on. And then they get a little bit older and they start getting a little jaded and they're like, and I'm really just getting tired of being known for being this band, you know, like it's, it's run its course, you know? Um, and so to see them change like this, I feel like maybe fans weren't going to hundred percent be on. I think the diehards are going to be all about it because diehards are diehards. We love diehards. Absolutely. Um, and so I definitely see the growth but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure if Horse the Band is is the band that's ever going to pull off some kind of crazy musical opus. And I think that's totally fine. I think it's I don't think they're meant to be that. I do think that their keyboardist is a genius. And I have to throw that out there right now um, because he's kept all in a certain sense, at least, you know, from the sound of it, he's kind of kept all of this together, you know, um, because yeah, the record doesn't sound like the Mechanical Hand or, or Borlax or, or, or kind of that older material, but like it still contains the Horse the Band elements of screams, some breakdowns, a, a large electronic presence. And now they're just trying to throw in some like, you know, some more singing parts. There's actually clean vocals on this record, which is kind of different for them. And um, they're, they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall here to see what sticks and it's weird that that's really all we've heard from them for 11 years i know that i think they reissued this record in 2013 with like a 
insane amount of uh, bonus tracks. Absolutely. Totaling one hour and 33 minutes by my count. Yeah, it's a lot. And uh, I don't love all of it, but I mean, I think maybe about nine or 10 tracks are actually uh, like the album or maybe 11 or 12. I don't know. It's hard to keep track because there's so many bonus songs. But what I'm saying is, is you have a record that's not super duper long. But if you add in all the extra material that they give you and you're a diehard, this is what you want. This is a definitive collection of all of basically the last ideas that they had before. I don't know if they went on a hiatus or or what happened with them. Um, I have not heard anything really about Horse the Band in a very long time, which is why I felt like we needed to at least uh, make some sort of note of them on the show and kind of talk about how they made us feel. Um, I recently said on a live broadcast on Brutally Speaking that The Mechanical Hand was one of the weirdest records I ever heard in my life. And uh, I still think that that holds very true. And in comparison to their other work, um, I think that that record is probably their best. But I am starting to really, really like Arborlax more. And these newer records give me five or six years from uh, with them, and I may feel a little bit better about them. But I was like every other scene kid out there, and I stopped listening to the band pretty much after <laughs> the mechanical hand. <laughs> so that's my bad. I'm a poser. If you're a if you're a, a horse the band, you know, diehard, then good for you. We there there needs to always be bands that we love. Um, this band unfortunately only caught me really with a couple of records, but uh, you know I'm, I'm looking forward to see if they ever do anything different. You know, or, are they going to go back? If they come back, are they going to go back to that old sound that we all love because it's nostalgic now, or are they going to try to move forward like they did on Desperate Living? I haven't seen an indication that the band is gone. Everything I can see, they appear to be active, even though they haven't released a new record in now over ten years. I can only hope the band decides to play some shows, play a couple tours, release some new music. It's 2020. Digital distribution is a thing. We'll pay for it. Lossless quality. I'll be right there. (laughs) There you go. Final thoughts on Horse the Band. Dan. I mean, I think if you like spastic, unpredictable music, you really can't go wrong with Horse the Band. But I do think that if you're looking for like something that's a little bit more serious and, and something that's going to change your life and make you really think hard about life in the universe. It's probably not the band you should check out for that. But if you just want to hear something that sounds a little bit nostalgic that you just can't quite put your finger on and you like really insane, unpredictable twists and turns in your songs, Horse the Band is the band for you. Man, this band is fun. Overall, (laughs) I love listening to Horse the Band. They didn't keep the same feel as they had on the mechanical hand, but... Overall, it's an enjoyable experience that you're really not going to get anywhere else. I can't think of another band that mixes this type of hardcore with this level of why would you have a keyboard in the band and why would you let it sound like that? You have a lot of hardcore bands and punk rock influenced bands that try to mix these sounds together, but they try to make them sound fluent horse the band doesn't do that they just put everything up front and they let the music speak for itself so if you're a fan of honest punk rock and you love your hardcore as much as dan does you're definitely gonna love horse the band i don't know why you're not listening to it and if you never have listened to it go listen to the mechanical hand right now no seriously right now go listen to it damn what's your album of the week my album of the week, I'm going back a couple weeks on this one, but I've been listening to it ever since, and that is The Heart is a Two-Headed Sperm by Tantrum of the Muse. Another equally insane band. 
or as recently decided, uh, Discuss Metal's officially most unhinged band. <laughs> For me, I'm trying to cleanse the palate before Industrial December. So I asked myself, if Jeff was here, what would he be listening to this week? My album of the week is Van by Clowncore. It doesn't have to be, but it is. Also, breaking news, unless this is a complete fake out, you can buy the van from Clowncore. I'm I'm good. Thanks. You don't want to buy Jeff a new van? Old new van? I don't want to know what those clowns did in that van. (laughs) Okay. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this podcast and you wondered if there was a way to reach out to us to tell us we're wrong or to tell us what bands you want us to talk about on the show, you can certainly do that. You can send us an email at danandjoeshow@gmail.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can find our Discord server by looking in our show notes. There'll be a link that'll take you to our Discord server where there's people chatting all the time. You can follow us on Instagram. If you want some sweet discography discussion merch you can check out our teespring store there'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our store we've got shirts we've got hoodies we've got comfy comfy socks trust me i have them they say discography discussion hold your feet together and they do and on that note this has been episode 197 of discography discussion thank you for listening you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at discuss metal subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts including google play apple podcasts and stitcher visit discussmetal.com for all things discography discussion and please send questions and comments to dan and joe show at gmail.com if you are not a patron you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal we have some sweet perks give me your money one dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed Walks by your side.